Para kepala daerah saya minta tidak membuat kebijakan sendiri-sendiri yang tidak terkoordinasi. Semua kebijakan di daerah Since the pandemic began, we've seen local governments attempting to implement their own lockdowns or testing policies, only to have such moves intervene by the central government. This happened, for example, in Jakarta when Governor Anis Baswedan tried to implement social restrictions but then was blocked. We saw hashtags trending on social media such as Indonesia lockdown please, the city of Tegal in central Java, Makassar in Sulawesi and others implemented their own regional lockdowns only to face uh, threats of administrative sanctions from the Widodo administration if the lockdowns were not lifted. Now the central government has the authority to order uh, lockdowns. The local governments do not, according to the law. Anis uh, just yesterday said, Jakarta has a new record high of COVID-19 cases and is considering pulling back on the transition, returning once again to large-scale restrictions or PSBB, which is in the opposite direction of the central government. So it looks like there could be another disagreement here between the central and local governments. Prior to the pandemic, uh, there has been a push by the top parties, Golkar, Garindra, and others, to pull back on decentralization and bring more power to the central government. What impact has this battle during the COVID-19 crisis had on the push to pull back on decentralization? I think at the political level, there is no uh, such significant impact yet of the, this pandemic to the, the way the central and local government relationship is done in Indonesia. The, uh, the formal regulation is still uh, the same like before the pandemics and also the practice. That's Dr. Jayadi Hanan, the director of political science at Paramadina University here in Jakarta. He is also the executive director of Lembaga Survey Indonesia, or LSI. And I think the fact that uh, this pandemic is so huge, making the central government actually cannot deal with it alone. Because of that, then, as you see, if you are following uh, Indonesian news closely on this issue, that a lot of things are being uh, actually, although not very not very uh, well managed, that a lot of uh, authorities are actually decentralized to the local government. This is Indonesia In-Depth with Sean Corrigan. Can you talk about the government's hesitance to implement a lockdown for the capital and for other COVID-19 hotspots? Why was this the case? You know, when the, the request or the demand for locking down was there at the beginning of this pandemic in Indonesia, that is between early March all the way to, let's say, early April or the end of, the end of March, the central government hesitance or reluctance to choose the measure of locking down is largely because of the incapability of the government to burden all the responsibilities of doing locking down. 
in Indonesian uh, law which is called the law on quarantining that the when there is an emergency or a situation like pandemic we have a kind of a lockdown which is called called territorial quarantine this is actually the same as the lockdown that was conducted in some uh, areas like in Wuhan or or in Italy and so on and so forth but the consequence of doing this kind of policy is that the central government has the authorities to order this lockdown this territorial quarantine but at the same time the local government has all the responsibilities to make sure that all of the people all of the not only human not only people but also the the livestock they are all must be if they need food must be provided by the government if they need uh, medicine must be provided provided by the central government and the government the central government does not have that capacity to do so that is the biggest reason why the the, the central government uh, was very reluctant to take the measure of locking down yeah as a result then you have mentioned in your question in your introduction that uh, indonesian government opted the the measure of the so called large social restriction or psbb in indonesian term because by doing so the central government can order can authorize the the psbb or the so, the large large scale social restriction program but the one who needs to request that is the local government the one who will deal with most of the consequences like the providing food or providing the assistance to the needy and and so on and so forth will be not only the central government but many of the consequences of that will be on the burden of, of local government so in a way this pandemic and the measures that was taken by the central government or the government in general including the local government shows the weakness of the central government and therefore i think i don't think it it's uh, strengthen the centralization in that way yeah because the central government now said you the local government must take responsibilities on many issues of course uh, the central government provided some like some some money like uh, there there is around more than 400 uh, trillion rupiah but all of those are not enough to deal with all of the problems all over indonesia as a result the central government must be creative must be able to take their own initiative in taking the measures that will be having burden on themselves like the, you mentioned in your introduction like tegal pemirsa walikota tegal dedion supriyono memutuskan untuk mengambil kebijakan local lockdown dengan menutup akses keluar masuk kota selama 4 bulan ke depan langkah kontroversial dedi itu there is no lockdown measures in terms of the central government policies but local areas like the regency of tegal took its own initiative local lockdown akan diberlakukan mulai tanggal 30 maret mendatang hingga 30 juli 2020 20. Although some some other areas also took their own uh, local initiative, like Semarang, they have their own local initiative, and of course because it is local initiative, then they have their own uh, responsibilities to do so. So I think in a way this pandemic, as far as the issue is, the biggest issues related to this pandemic is number one is medical issues, right? And number two is economy. 
So in these two areas, now the central government shows its weaknesses. And in these two issues, I think the central government must be uh, working more closely with the local government. Otherwise, they will have some problems. For instance, in one of the biggest program, because as the consequences of the large-scale social restriction program, is that a lot of people must, must be staying home. A lot of people must be having no jobs, right? Because they have to be away from their own daily uh, work. And for that, the government must provide the so-called social assistance program. And the social assistance program is actually a joint program, both in terms of the delivery and also in terms of the funding from the central government and the local government. And uh, it's not easy to manage because there is some dispute in terms of the data and also in terms of how and when they have to deliver the social assistance program. So if you have been following so closely also, for instance, there, there was a kind of dispute between the central government and uh, Jakarta's uh, provincial government about how many household must be the responsibility of the provincial government in terms of the delivery of social assistance and how many household must be the responsibility of the central government. Yeah. So um, I don't think that this pandemic so far is strengthening the centralization. Because of that, I don't think that the, the central government he has more legitimacy, more political power to take back the, decentralized, the, the power that has been decentralized. And you, if we are following the polls, the polls about how the public views on the way the governments, both central and local government, in dealing with this pandemic, you will see that the number for central government positive number for central government is less or lower than the positive number for the local government. So if we ask people in Indonesia in general, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with, uh, with the way the central government is dealing with this pandemic? The people who said they are satisfied is still more than 50% for central government. But if we compare that to the local government, like public views on how West Java government is dealing with this issue, compared to Jakarta's government, compared to, you know, East Java, Central Java, and other uh, local governments, the number, the positive number for the local government is higher than for the central government. That means that people are seeing that the local government is more important, better in terms of dealing with this issue. So counting that in mind, uh, we cannot say that the government, the central government now, or the set, or the other, let's say, political parties, who are aspiring for re-centralizing the power into the central government, uh, now they don't have strong ground to do so. Yeah, yeah. Because of this pandemic. And so you see the moves in parliament, which started quite strong, you know, in this new parliament back late last year. There was a, a push, you know, with the GBH and these other things yeah. to really, you know. Increases no. all, all of those issues have been have been fading away now. The government now must deal with the, the public that says who, who said that the government and also the parliament must prioritize the laws or the the bills that are directly related to the crisis. 
meaning this uh, issue of pandemic and also economy. Saudara Ketua DPR Puan Maharani menilai DPR tidak perlu terburu-buru menyelesaikan Omnibus Law Cipta Kerja karena masih dibutuhkan sosialisasi ke berbagai elemen masyarakat. Sebelumnya Presiden Joko Widodo meminta DPR untuk menyelesaikan Omnibus Law paling lambat 100 hari. Mau lebih cepat dari 100 hari DPR kerjain juga kok akan kita laksanakan hanya bermanfaat nggak buat masyarakat. Nah ini jadi... There is a debate about whether or not the government must continue finishing the bill on the so-called job creation bill yeah, yeah. Yeah. omnibus law With, or, or omnibus law and also some other law like the criminal code and so on and so forth there's a debate about it but the frame so far is that uh, the public wants the government to prioritize all of the necessary policies and 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 laws or bills that are directly related to this COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, but will that happen? I mean, you said that the people want that to happen. Will that happen or will the parliament continue on its separate agenda? Um, one is that in terms of the central government, um, the, the demand for having a response, the, the response to the crisis is, is there, right? The government has issued the so-called the government regulation in lieu of law yep. that provide the measures and the funding for dealing with this COVID-19, it was approved by the parliament uh, just mm -hmm. a few, uh, let's say, some weeks or one or two months or so ago. So it's number one. Uh, now I think the, the, the government is really wanting to move, move on with the Omnibus Law. Di tengah ancaman pandemi masa pengunjuk rasa penolakan rancangan undang-undang Omnibus Law berkumpul di depan gedung DPR. Unjuk rasa ini terjadi di tengah ancaman pandemi. Seperti apa situasi dan juga pengamanan unjuk But, rasa uh, di luar? The question uh, is, can the government convince the public that this Omnibus Law is really needed by Indonesia right now for dealing with this this crisis in the short term and also in the long term, in middle and long term? Uh, I think the debate is still going on. And I think the government is now trying very hard, including the, the parliament, trying very hard to convince people on that, that this job creation law, this omnibus law is not only for long term, but also for mm -hmm. immediate term, particularly for recovering Indonesian economy because of, because of being crashed by this pandemic. And to do that, I think the government must uh, take up some of the elements of the, the law, like the one that is protested very much by the you know the, the workers workers union yeah yeah by, by workers union like the uh, they said that uh, their rights has been uh, what is it cut off in many ways by this new bill for the sake of prioritizing the business people and so on and so forth so the issue of let's say um, minimum wage i think yeah will be should be dealt better by the government otherwise this kind of bill will not mm -hmm. be uh, moving on and this is a government initiated bill in parliament um, if you had a guess right now would that bill be passed this year i think yeah i think looking at the the way the government is trying very hard to do so i think it will be passed this year so which means it will be around six more months right i think that's yeah. enough time but i don't think it will be uh, the bill will be as much as the government and the parliament planned before. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be toned down a bit. Right, right. So I think the, the, the public will be easily convinced uh, the regulations on, let's say, 
shortening the process of getting the license for business. Yeah. Particularly for, let's say, small uh, and medium enterprise. Mm-hmm. That will be okay, I think, for the for the public. But uh, reducing the cost of production, for instance, by uh, reducing the salary or the the management of the workers and so on and so will will not be easily yeah. uh, accepted by by the public especially the uh, the workers union yeah. so i think the government also needs to involve more uh, stakeholders because there was and there is accusation that this this bill was drafted mainly by the business people right so that kind of issues must be must be dealt with by the parliament and also the government but i don't think we see a kind of how the government does not halt this process it is underway until now And part of the government's way to do so is by involving uh, more uh, public opinion makers or more public activists to be more aware of the ABC of this uh, of this uh, bill. Yeah, so they'll have to do more PR than they right, even planned right, from before. Right. Adaptasi kebiasaan baru. Jawa Barat Ridwan Kamil mengklaim laju kasus positif COVID-19 di Jawa Barat masih terkendali meskipun muncul beberapa klaster baru di lembaga pendidikan negara. Pak, you mentioned Governor Ridwan Kamil, mm-hmm. West Java. He's the mm-hmm. governor of West Java, which is the country's largest province with over 50 million residents. His government appears to have slowed the spread of COVID-19 as of today. His government will also ramp up testing and also improve contact tracing, which is very important. His government has been the most effective in the country when it comes to handling the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What impact do you think this will have on his future political aspirations, you know, even perhaps a run in for presidency in 2024? Well, Ridwan Kamil as a governor and also a national figure in Indonesia has got the positive effect. Mm-hmm. Or positive impact because of the way he is handling the, this uh, COVID-19 crisis. At least in the media, we see that, uh, as you mentioned, his, the figure for for West Java is much much better than, let's say, compared to East Java. Right? East Java is still is considered as a disaster right now. And the political impact for Ridwan Kamil as the aspirant for 2024 uh, election has been positive. For instance, some polls that came out by the end of May and June, and uh, on the months of June. So in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, in the middle of the pandemic, some polls from some credible um, pollsters find that the, uh, his number is up a bit. Yeah. For instance, uh, one pollster find that uh, the number of Ridwan Kamil has been jumping up from only three to four percent in uh, before the pandemic now has been around seven to ten percent which is a double kind of jump up on the other hand the the number for governor anis has been a bit up and down but uh, rather stable at the, at the level of ten percent compared to uh, others so i think um this COVID 19 management by the local government can boost the the political or positive political impact to them in this case the one that has got it is uh, Ridwan Kamil 
I think Ganjar Pranowo in Central Central Java also in a way got positive impact because Central Java is not as bad as East Java or or Jakarta in terms of uh, dealing with this COVID-19 crisis in terms of the number of the affected people in those areas. So yeah, I think uh, all of the political figures including the cent- the local government's uh, leadership uh, will get better political boost whenever they are dealing with this crisis and viewed positively by by the public. But of course, um, whether or not it will be lasting until 2024 is still a long way to go. Yeah, uh, It depends on how long this pandemic will be staying with us. Uh, we consider it will be staying here for long. And also, you know, it's not easy to maintain a stable response to this kind of pandemic. Because uh, very complete issue, especially between the health issue or medical issue uh, against economic issues, both do not always go hand in hand. For instance, now, although the infected cases or the positive case in Indonesia actually is still going up and up, yeah, in many ways, but there is a very strong pressures and demands. To open up the economy, you know, to the extent that people said we have only two options or choices: are you going to be die because of the pandemic, or are you going to be die by because of hunger? Hunger means you don't have economic activities. So, uh, being posed by two options, the public chose most of the public, majority of the public chose being died because of the pandemic. Right, meaning that it is better for them to go out there, having economic activities, regaining their uh, purchasing power again, their money, so that they can live. While in the middle of the way, they have to be infected by the pandemic, by the COVID-19, it's okay with them. So, how the government is dealing with this is not is not uh, easy, and there the this local leadership will be tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people will take their risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tidak ada hal yang sempurna. Uh, talking about you know political leaders, um, how has the pandemic affected President Widodo from his reputation, political capital? Uh, and even, of course, his plans. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, if you are following most of the polls, that not not many polls came out during this pandemic, right? Actually, not many uh, national polls out there, but there are some. Uh, we see um, that the approval rating of the president has been going down a little bit, but not to the extent that we can say it is plummeting. It is still at the level of 60%, 65%. But surely it is not it is going down compared to the situation before the pandemic. Was it around 70 before? Yeah, before yeah. The, the the Jokowi's approval rating has always been around 70. Well, there is a reason for that, yeah? Uh, because the polls and during the pandemic also find that Indonesian people are still polarized. 
because of 2019 election. Despite the fact that the, the opponent of Jokowi has been in his team, but the people who are against uh, or the non-voters of Jokowi uh, are still there. So at least around 25 to 30% of them will always say they are not satisfied with the government no matter what. But the fact that the approval rating of Jokowi has been going down around 5% from around 70 to around 65, meaning that this pandemic has been putting an impact on his uh, popularity, his, po his political uh, asset. So the pandemic has been decreasing his political popularity, although a bit. And I think why it is only a bit, part of the reason is because of the polarizations among Indonesian voters. If Indonesian voters are not so polarized, I think it could be that his popularity has been going down even more. So if you look at the numbers in the polls also, there is a kind of partisanship bias or partisanship uh, divide in terms of uh, giving positive or negative number to uh, Widodo. But I would say that Jokowi's performance, Jokowi's approval rating has been decreasing and that means there is a negative effect of this pandemic. And that makes sense, you know, that makes sense. Why? Because if you look at the number, the positive number of how the public views the central government is dealing with, uh, in dealing with this issue, the number of the people who are satisfied with the way the, the central government handling this issue is only around 50 something, not even 60%. Yeah? The number will be much lower uh, in the polls if uh, we ask people about uh, their satisfaction with the way the Jokowi's cabinet, particularly some ministers who, who are directly responsible for dealing with this crisis, like Minister of Finance, Minister of uh, Health, Minister of Social, what is it called? Minister of Social Welfare, and so on and so forth, uh, Minister of Agriculture, they all got uh, not so good number. So uh, there is there is a sign that this pandemic has been viewed has been putting the government in a hot seat, resulting in the negative or more negative evaluation by mm -hmm. by by the public. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I think uh, another reason is that uh, the polls number also find that in May, let's say, more than 80% of the public said that economy is bad. More this, than, this was in May? Yeah, it was in May. The end of May, I guess, and early June. Some polls, yeah? Not LSI, but some others. I'm talking about the poll numbers on average. More than 80% of the public said that their economy in their household and also the national economy is bad. And almost also around 80% of the people said their income has been decreasing so much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the extent that they, some people said they have only some sort of money to live only around one week from when they are asking in the surveys. Some also said that they, on, they have only uh, money for, for living for only one or two days. So you see, the level of sufferings is quite deep. Therefore, I think uh, the public evaluations on the government is uh, decreasing. But of course, you will have a question, why 
the approval rating is still 60, right? Why not below 50? You know, uh, I think the public knows that it's not all the fault of the government, right? The crisis is not because of the government took uh, disastrous policies at the, in the first place, mm -hmm. but because of the pandemic. So I think in that sense, the, the public se seems to me are still rational in looking at uh, this issue and the, the consequences of this pandemic. But I think if the government is not dealing with these economic issues and also the medical issues quite well, then there is a reason to believe that the public will in the end put the blame on the government in, in general. Mm -hmm. Saya lihat masih banyak kita ini yang seperti biasa-biasa saja. Ini apa gak punya perasaan? Suasana krisis-krisis-krisis extraordinary. Duit rupiah pun belum masuk ke stimulus ekonomi kita. Ini extraordinary. Saya harus ngomong apa adanya, gak ada progres. Ini extraordinary. Langkah apapun yang extraordinary akan saya lakukan. Bisa aja membubarkan lembaga, bisa aja retapel. Udah kepikiran kemana-mana saya. Speaking of blame uh, on the government, uh, in late June, the presidential secretariat published a video of a cabinet meeting from mid-June uh, where the president expressed anger and disappointment to his cabinet uh, for not having this sense of crisis or sense of urgency when it comes to battling the pandemic, particularly with regards to the presidential decree number one, 2020, which was issued in March, which laid out the new programs uh, and policies in wake of COVID-19. Widodo said that uh, he would replace ministers if need be. Some critics uh, have said that he should have replaced several ministers even before this. Uh, for their poor uh, performance. But now, this week here, it seems that the palace now is downplaying potential cabinet reshuffle. Mm -hmm. What's behind this video, which is actually not common to see? Right. What's the reasoning behind the releasing of this video? First? So uh, I think there are at least three or four reasons for that, yeah? For why the government is releasing this video. You know, the video was released only around 10 days after it was it was happening, right? So there was, of course, political reasons for that. Number one, I think, as I have mentioned before, that people are disappointing. In a way, people are also hopeless, right? In terms of economy, as well as in terms of the issue, uh, medical issues. On medical issues, for instance, there is no sign of this COVID-19 is decreasing in terms of the, the number of people who are infected and also in terms of the number of people who are fatally affected. I mean, the number of people who dies because of this, right? So it, it, it's day by day is increasing. At the same time, people are feeling about the hard problem economically. They lost their job. They have to think about uh, their uh, not only how they put the, the food on the table uh, and also how they deal with the education for their uh, children and so and also how they are they have to deal with the the health issues outside of the COVID-19 issues and so on and so forth so you know in that kind of situation people are expecting the government to act 
decisively to act with good policies that can put better hope in front of the, the public, right? But as I mentioned, all the numbers are saying that we are not in a good situation, both economy and also uh, medical or health issues. Then it is easy for the public to say the government does not, not the, the, the government are doing nothing, right? The release of this video by the palace, by Jokowi's team, I think is a way of communicating with the public, saying to the public, look, we are doing it, we are doing things very hard. At least the president is trying to do everything very hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The public knows that the, the president has released the policies that you mentioned, uh, the the government regulation in lieu of law number two, 2020, right? About uh, the funding and also the, the measures that must be taken for dealing with the crisis. But after, you know, that, that big policy, that umbrella policy was taken by the end of March, right? Yes. Now it's June. It's been almost four months or more than three months. The people do not see good signs yet. Then the question is, what happened, right? I think by sending out this video to the public intentionally, I think uh, the palace would like to say, we have been trying very hard. The president is trying very hard. But you see, the president has the problem with his own team. The teams are not working properly, right? That is number one. So at least I think the public will not blame directly to the mm -hmm. president. So ha keeping sort of a buffer or distance between the president and then his cabinet's exactly. performance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Of course, this, th there is a risk, right? Of doing that kind of strategy of communication. The risk is that the people will say, how comes? The cabinet is under your authority. If they are not acting, that means you are not doing good leadership, right? That is the, the risk. But at least the president teams think, I guess, that the public will understand that the, uh, the president has very difficult challenges, particularly dealing with his own cabinet. And there is a reason for, for that, because the theme of the president can think of is that the ministers are not all the choice of the president. The ministers are, many of them, or maybe mostly of them, are the choice of the political parties. So by doing so, the president would, will put also the burden on the minister. Mm -hmm. that, that's number one, I think, yeah? Sending the message to the public. But that ha, has, that, has that been successful? That message to the public? Has, has the public understood what the president wanted, which was, you know, this is my team. It's, it's sort of not really my fault. It's the team that's incompetent or something like that. Has that been a success for, no, um, for number one? I don't know yet, yeah? Um, uh, we need to see the, the, the polls, the poll number uh, for that. But I think the response of the public, at least what we can see from the media, is not about how the, the, the president is working hard, but about what is the consequences of this anger of the president, which leads to the speculation about the reshuffle of the cabinet, right? And that this kind of speculation is also making sense because people have been asking the president to act decisively on several ministers who are not doing their job well. Particularly, for instance, Minister of Health, who was playing down this crisis early on, and also some others of the ministers. Yeah? So the, the speculation about, about reshuffle. So 
I think the second meaning uh, of this this video is that president is thinking about doing the reshuffle, but to do so because this cabinet is not all by his choice. He needs to see how the publics and also how particularly how the political parties are reacting to that, because you know there is a kind of conventional wisdom that when you are in the crisis, it's not good. When you are still in the crisis, it is not a good policy to change the team, right? Because you need to act decisively, and building a new team will not be easy. So, particularly when the cabinets are influenced by the political party. So, I think maybe the president really have really has uh, the the plan to do reshuffle, but he needs to convince the political parties. Uh, or to make the political parties to be ready yeah. when he is doing so. That's number two. And number three, I guess, the meaning is that the president is trying to to slap his own ministers by using the public. You know, in in political communication in presidential system, we 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 have the strategy called going public. So a president. Whenever he is doing something and he doesn't he doesn't get enough support from his internal team, he could go to the public, asking public to to put pressure on the politicians or on his cabinets to act better. Yeah, that is also another meaning for that. To the two big indicators, yeah, Medi- medical indicators, health indicators, which is the number of people infected, are still going up. And the number of the fatality are still also going down, going up, not going down. Then the president cannot convince the public they are that they are doing things mm-hmm, rightly. Mm-hmm. Plus, when the issue of economy is not getting yeah, better, yeah. So still a long road ahead. Um, but just on that point, but so do you expect a reshuffle in the very near future based on you know the president's frustration on his cabinet and his own leadership? I think the issue is has been there, has been out there. So the president must must do uh, the reshuffle at least for ministers like minister of health mm-hmm. at least. And you think that'll happen in the very near future? That is hard to say, but I, but I think uh, maybe after or bef- uh, before the Independence Day, it will it will happen. Ketua Umum DPP Partai Demokrat Agus Harimurti Yudhoyono melakukan kunjungan perdananya sebagai Ketua Umum dengan bersilaturahmi dengan Ketua Umum Partai Golkar Erlangga Hartarto. Ketua Umum Partai Demokrat Agus Harimurti Yudhoyono menemui Ketua Umum PKB Muhaimin Iskandar. Sejumlah isu menjadi bahasan kedua petinggi partai and, itu. Um, why is Democrat and President Yudhoyono's son Agus Yudhoyono, why is he on a political safari meeting PKB and Golkar leaders? And in talks with several parties, is that to join, looking to join the coalition, or is that for the lobbying, forming coalitions for 2020 uh, local elections? Two of the both, both, yeah. In in 2020 local elections, almost every political party needs to have a coalition with other political parties because in only a few of these 270 local elections, they can run, they can nominate their own. Candidate uh, without having a coalition, so I think it is part of it. Number two is, you know, the speculation about reshuffle is still there, and I think uh, it will be much better for a person for uh, parties like Democrat Party to be part of the power, especially because 
the they have new chairman Agus Harimurti Yudhoyono who needs a kind of political asset to be used for his own credibility for running for 2024 mm-hmm. otherwise people will see him only as a, a chair of political party without any experience in government and so on and so forth then he will have um, low bargaining power for 2024 and will minister of finance Sri Mulyani stay in the cabinet Uh, for a full term in, until 2024. I I believe so because uh, the complaint is not on the Minister of Finance so far. The complaint is on the more technical types of ministers that are directly related to COVID-19 crisis. And I think Sri Mulani has been serving full term in the first uh, term of Jokowi. And I think he, uh, Sri Mulani is one of the, the, the team that he that he uh, trusts very much, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And she's also interested in, in staying. Yes, yes, I think so, yeah. We thank Dr. Jayadi for joining us. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Jayadi underscore Hanan. This episode was produced by Sean Corrigan, edited by Risky, and visually designed by Daniel. If you have feedback for this podcast, you can email us at info at indonesiaindepth.com or DM us on Instagram at indonesiaindepth or on Twitter at indoindepth. We have a brand new Bahasa Indonesia podcast called Podcast Start Lab. Then saya dengar Ibu Saktia ingin bikin podcast. Betul sekali. Uh, saya juga tidak menyangka podcast ternyata sudah selama itu di luar negeri. 20 tahun ternyata ya. Yeah, which goes deep into podcast production, apa, storytelling, tips and tricks. Podcast, uh, Be sure to Mark check Marin, it out and subscribe if you like uh, it. WTF, uh, Thanks for listening. With uh, Mark Marin dan pertama kali saya mengenal karena uh, sudah masuk YouTube podcast-nya, podcast-nya dan ada yang episode terkenal sekali karena uh, Presiden Obama kan uh, waktu d- itu yang. Tapi jadi. lebih tahu dari